0: What's shaking, Red Nation? We are back with another episode of the Kiss of Death podcast, home of all things Houston Rockets with the Fan First Sports Network. It's Jeremy Brenner here, and tonight we are not live. We are not live tonight. It is Jeremy Brenner here. But the thing, there's a good reason why we're not live tonight. It's because our guest, friend of the show, is having a baby very, very soon, (laughs) and I didn't want to waste a single second and make sure we could get this guy on in his last moments before the beautiful blessing of his child is coming into the world. Parker Ainsworth, <laughs> Mazel Tov, congratulations and welcome to the show.
1: Mazel Tov, um, thanks. I, I'm excited about it. Obviously, uh, it looks like it's going to be this weekend um, for all that. And so I'm excited to get to talk a little bit of Jairus, a little bit of the Rockets and, and all those kinds of things put together uh, before I get really, really busy with not basketball things.
0: <laughs> that part. But yeah, I mean, look. Congratulations to you and your family, but let's let's get down to business. Now, Parker, you are the host of the Locked on Cougars podcast, ho- covering all things Houston Cougars. And this year, it's been a while since there's been a top prospect in the NBA draft, probably since one Hakeem Olajuwon, maybe. Jairus Walker could be the first top five pick since then. Are you surprised with that? Like, with that, uh, I guess, potential that he had? I guess coming in, you know, he was a five-star prospect coming in. The Cougars aren't necessarily known for those one in prospects. Guys that, you know, come in several years, they they build, they develop, they got the team going, and then they kind of go into the NBA. But with Jairus Walker, one done could be a top-five pick, maybe number four to the Houston Rockets if they are lucky. So what— Give me Jairus Walker just as a prospect. No, don't, like, it doesn't matter about the fit on the roster or anything like that. Why should a team take Jairus Walker in this draft?
1: Well, first of all, um, because he has such a high floor defensively, I would argue fairly thoroughly that he has the highest floor of any college prospect in the draft. Obviously, there's Big Victor, and I'm enthused by Scoot Henderson stuff, right? But as far as a college kid goes... I don't know if there's anyone with a higher floor than Jarris. Um, he is a, I guess he measured in it closer to 6'7 without his shoes on because they measured him without shoes on at the combine. <laughs> um, but he is a 6'7, between 245 and 250, depending on the day, 38 half inch vertical, standing vertical, seven um, two wingspan, and truly at Houston guarded all five positions. Um, now, Houston had a number of talented defenders who didn't have to, but he was a switchable guy, would play at the level on pick and roll kind of stuff. Um, and would really, I mean, he would switch on to whatever he covered. Taylor Hendricks, who was also going to be a lottery pick out of Central Florida, he so covered nice Brandon. Well <laughs> he covered Brandon Miller. Yeah, you got to get that in there. He covered Brandon Miller at Alabama. Um, he covered uh, some of Isaiah Wong, but a lot more um, of the the undersized four they got at Miami. He covered uh, John, uh, Joni Broom at uh, Auburn. Like he covered a number of guys that will have shots if not lottery picks in the nba draft and i i just feel like he did all that as a 19 year old kid and i think people get you know down on him because of his offensive stats when if you follow the houston cougars you know like even marcus sasser who has you know got the award the jerry westward for best shooting guard in the country doesn't put up gaudy stats in Kelvin Sampson's system that's not that's not what's gonna happen there um i i really do feel like he's a incredibly high floor and fairly high ceiling type of prospect. Um, and if you need defense, I don't know why you look anywhere else.
0: You know, you, you talking about Jairus Walker, not identical, but the words that you were saying reminded me a lot of what they were saying about Jabari Smith coming out last year. And the thing with Jabari and Jairus Walker that might be, a tiny bit different is that three-point shooting aspect what is Jairus Walker's um you know shooting profile look like like is he a guy that you know you expect to take is he going to be like a three and D kind of player or is going to be more of like uh I don't want to use like Aaron Gordon I feel like just because yeah. the finals are on right now I feel like I have that <laughs> and, he, uh, and that, Aaron Gordon had trajectory, a project like that in my head right now so like and I wouldn't consider Aaron Gordon as like a 3 and D player but I would consider him no, like, yeah. you know the, the prototypical like defensive 4 and you know you mentioning all these like you know 6 I mean Aaron Gordon's a bit taller than that I believe he's like six nine, six ten. 6'10 but uh, you know the you know the strength that Walker has yeah. reminds me of a guy that you would want as your prototypical power forward so um what does he project as a shooter
1: So in college he shot about 35% on about 3 attempts per game um, it, which is again, like if you could maintain 35% at five threes per game, we'd be talking about him as a 3D prospect. He just only got up about three a game. Uh, Houston played an incredibly slow pace. And so I think you got to remember that when you're looking at all these shooting sets. If I were putting on my pro cap and analyzing like what his jump shot needs, it's a little bit slow release for what I would want out of an NBA prospect. And I think with if you trust your shooting coach and your development staff, if it's just slow mechanics, not bad mechanics, I think that's fairly easy to fix, the repetitions and, and day-to-day pro workouts and stuff like that. So I wouldn't worry about that. What I thought was interesting, Jeremy, when you compare him directly to Jabari, is Jabari shot well from threes from all around the arc. Uh, Jairus is noticeably better above the break than he is in the corners, and I don't know I, – I don't have an explanation as to why. That's kind of a unique thing. You think most 3 and D guys, you think like P.J. Tucker for the Rockets would go to the corner and spot up or – Trevor Rees would go to the corner and spot up. You don't really want him in the corner as much as you want him above the break. Um, what, what I think Jairus does better than Jabari, though, is he puts the ball on the ground better. Um, he's a better driver and finisher. He's much broader, obviously. We mentioned 245, 250. Takes contact stream well. Has good touch around that 10-foot floater range. Um, and so that would be where I think any gap he has from Jabari as a shooting prospect, because Jabari did shoot pretty well down the stretch of the season. Mm -hmm. um, I would say he makes up for by being a better guy off the bounce for sure.
0: Yeah. So like I'm looking at with with Walker, just like him as a prospect. And we've talked a lot about uh, on the previous episodes, go check them out if you haven't done so already. But we've talked a lot on our previous episodes about how this draft is different than the previous ones in Rafael Stone's tenure as general manager because the last couple of years have been, let's just bring as much talent in the building as possible. And now you have a core that has Jalen Green, Alperon Sengun, Jabari Smith, and Tari Eason to start. And then you obviously have your other guys that aren't necessarily locks in that core, but someone you want to build around. And when it comes to this draft, You know, do you want to just bring in the top talent, which it could be Jairus Walker, given his extremely high floor and everything you've said, Parker sounds like he's a great player to get at, at, at where the Rockets are drafting. But you mentioned Jabari Smith, you mentioned Tari Eason and KJ Martins there as well. And I have a hard time and Jay Sean Tate, not to mention him, but you know, he. I don't necessarily know what Jay Sean Tate's future looks like with this team. I don't think he's gonna um, like stop whatever. You know. Right. right. He's, Jay Sean Tate's not gonna be the reason why you don't take Jarius Walker in this draft, but Tar Easton and Jabari Smith might if you're looking to try to fit with this team. So, in a perfect world, Parker, show me the vision because this is something that Mike is very pro, and and I am not seeing as much of. So try to sell me on J- Jarus's fit with the Rockets and how he would work in that front court does he is he a small ball five or is he a four or is he a three you know where could he fit within Ime Udoka's new system
1: I could absolutely see him being the small ball five kind of guy um because for what he lacks at six seven ish six eight ish in height um, for what he lacks in that he has wingspan and then he's just you know girth. He's just got all the weight to him, um, and so he at, in college for sure. I mean, he bodied Victor Lakin, a big seven foot, three hundred pound guy from um, from Cincinnati um, and stuff like that. Like he he's used to having a big body with guys when need when he needs to. I think the interesting thing is um, so if you're building the Rockets like you mentioned uh, shingoon and Jabari, and so and you're looking at them like the Nuggets, right? The Nuggets get away with. Nicole Jokic being a not so great defender by having Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. next to him in the front court as two tremendous defenders, right? Um, If you're thinking Shingun is a, you know, Jokic light type guy, because he's a little bit smaller or whatever, he's going to also need great defenders around him at that three and four spot. I think that's where Jarris fits in is, I don't know if it's Jabari at the three or Jarris at the three, but you're adding a lot of size. I, I think Jairus can defend wings and perimeter guys at the NBA level. Um, I think Jabbar was working towards that by the end of the season, probably better at it in March and April than he was in December, right? Um, but I would think the more natural fit would be for that 16 minutes a game you want to go small and fast, because while I love Alperin, he's not particularly fast. <laughs> um, you'd pull him off the floor and put Jairus at the five, and that's when you can see the kind of Jairus Walker that we saw at IMG. I mean, at IMG... Um, whatever you think about the academies and NIBC and all that kind of stuff. um, He he ran a lot of 0.5 for them, bringing the ball up the floor, initiating actions. And while it's not collegiate level basketball, and I get people's skepticism over that. I I know I keep talking about the finals. You mentioned Gordon. I mentioned Nicole Jokic, but Bam Adebayo has pointed out, like people didn't have that in his game either. in their like typical write-ups because he didn't do it at Kentucky, but he had done it in high school right? Jairus Walker played at the highest high school level you can play in the United States. Um, and, and he did those kinds of things there. And I wonder if this, this is me projecting now, this is not stuff he did at Houston necessarily. Although he did some good short roll actions at Houston. Uh, if you want to check out games, I'd point out to the Virginia game. Um, but he, I think there's potential to get some of that there as well. And um, more of a creative type aspect. Now I say all that, Jeremy, I'm a Houston Cougar guy and a Houston rocket guy. I wonder, and tell me tell me if I'm wrong here, you know, you've had the number two pick two years ago, the number three pick th- last year, now the number four pick. You had the 16 pick two years ago, the number 17 pick last year, and the number 20 pick this year. I feel like there's about to be some pressure in the front office to kind of turn all these good drafts into something, right? Like they may they may be drafting more positionally than the typical lottery team is. And I don't know if the small forward, power forward is the way they would go there. Do you think that?
0: I think, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into that because you mentioned, you know, Rafael Stone has, has taken this path of let's take the best player available. And now in this, and he said that in press conferences uh, or in interviews, you know, where also echoing those same sentiments, that being said, who knows what they're going to do? Like, I think like, okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to kind of flip this back to you. I'm going to answer this and I answer your question with a question. Um, <laughs> so where does Jairus, where's Jairus in your big board?
1: On my big board, I got him as one of the five best prospects in the draft. Um, okay. I, I really think I, I'm i also lower on Brandon Miller than most. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I should probably preface it with that. There are a lot of people in the world higher on Brandon Miller than I am.
0: Do you have Jairus higher than Brandon Miller?
1: I, I do actually. I do have Jairus higher than okay. Brandon Miller because I don't, I, people talk a lot about what Brandon Miller is going to be able to do because he's tall, he can shoot, and the you know whatever. I I'm still looking for um, outside of like uh, there was an A and M game I think some, there was some game towards the end of the regular season where he had 45 points after he just got in trouble or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for more out of it than that. And admittedly, my introduction to Brandon Miller was when Houston played Alabama, and while I, Alabama won that game, Brandon Miller didn't make a field goal, and I was kind of walking out of the game like, "Who is this kid?" Um, but so, admittedly, that is, that is like my my initial lens, and it's hard to shake a first impression. But I have them at least comparable. Um, and then I have I have Scoot and uh, Vic obviously above them. And then I'm trying to figure out what to make of overtime elite. I just talked to a guy that does Locked On Pacers, and I was like, "What what can you tell me about overtime elite?" Because I don't know what to make of this because they're looking at the other Thompson twin at that seven spot potentially. Oh, and I was like, what do you make out of this competition level? And he was saying it's ca- like his interpretation was it's kind of like not quite power five basketball, but definitely not quite like, you know, mid Atlantic basketball either. And then I, yeah. I, that that's probably fair. Um, so I, anyway, I, I like the creation of Amon Thompson. And so I could see how if you understand the overtime elite thing better than I do. You might have him up there, but I really have Jairus really, really high on my board. And I, I understand that, Part of that's me buying into athleticism, and he is a crazy athlete. <laughs> um, but I, I really do. I really, and then I also watched all 37 Houston Cougar games, and he was fitting into a system in Houston, right? Like he's a—I don't want to make it out to be football, but he's a system quarterback in a lot of ways, right? Like he did his job. They were trying to win basketball games. Um, they had Marcus Sasser. They had Jamal Shed. They had other guys that were part of the system too. In the NBA, it's a whole different game,
0: right? Yeah, I think with Jairus, what you know, you mentioned IMG Academy, uh, you know, earlier. And if he joins the Rockets, he won't be the only IMG alum. K- KJ Martin was also IMG Academy, so there is, and, and the Rockets have proven, you know, over the course of these last few years that they are unafraid to go the non traditional route when it comes to picking these prospects. You know, you look at Jalen, he wasn't a collegiate player. Shangun didn't go college either. Um, and, you know, they might go Eamon Thompson. Um, they might go Ozair Thompson. You know, they, they, they can go in a lot of different directions here. Um, but Jairus is like, to me, I think you, like, you've like you said it, and now I'm, now I'm starting to get a better understanding of him. I mean, I had like a broad understanding of him just based on my own personal research of the draft and of, of Jairus Walker. But you're the expert, Parker. That's why you're here. You're a friend of the show. But And you've, you've seen all 37 of Jairus Walker's collegiate games. And to me, it's like, okay, Jairus is a very safe pick. That's what I'm getting at. And I feel like for the Rockets, they're not in a position to make a safe pick. Like they can take a risk here at four because they really have their core in, in place. And taking Eamon Thompson, it's a huge risk taking either Thompson twins a huge risk but the ceiling is enough to make you want to go for the swing whereas with Harris I feel like he, if he finds a system that works well for him and he can you know be the guy that he needs to be in that system he can have a great NBA career but I question whether Houston is the right place for him because okay let's just let's play devil's advocate Let's say Jairus Walker is the pick. Does he start?
1: I think that's an interesting conversation. Um, I see Jairus Walker... So when you bring in Emeo Odoka and talk about like what he did in Boston, obviously it's different pieces around the kid, but I see Jairus being a lot like a Jalen Brown type guy. Um, I would argue that he dribbles his left hand better than Jalen Brown. <laughs> Honestly, I know <laughs> it's probably coming off of East Conference Jairus Finals. an maybe NBA beautiful.
0: player, two-time NBA All-Star. That'd be oh, great. I, but I, I think athletically... Athletic- athletic-
1: and- and I honestly, and, and Jalen's 26, right? Uh, and and uh, Jarvis is 19. Um, and and Jalen wasn't an all NBA player at 20. So there'd be some time and growth there. But as far as like the spots on the floor, I feel like they do things well on or the things they do with the basketball, it's not a whole lot of flash in the handle, it's crisscross and go. Um, and those kinds, you know, it's a little bit slower on the jump shot, um, strong on the defensive end. I could see him slotting in into that very very well um under emo doka the deal is is that jalen brown benefited a lot from playing with jason tatum and had marcus smart playing point guard and um you know and al horford behind him on defense it's like those are things that in houston jairus who doesn't quite have and so i don't know if the system's going to look the same and if it's can be a one-to-one comparison um but i if you told me that at 26, Jarrison made the all NBA team and was, you know, a starter on an, a team that had gone, like, I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's a very common, like a very like common comparison of skill sets. It's just, that's again, a 26 year old version of what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah. You look at like previous number four picks. This is something that like, I, you know, have kind of looked into and usually, you know, sometimes it, it works sometimes this comparison works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, But you look at, for instance, like previous number four picks, right? Um, You know, Keegan Murray was maybe like the third or fourth option for the Kings this past season. Um, But you look at like Jaron Jackson, someone like he was an all-star this past season. Uh, Aaron Gordon was a former number four pick. Uh, Porzingis. These guys are all like, you know, third options on championship rosters or fourth options, possibly with Aaron Gordon, but Aaron Gordon's also like a plus defender. So you're looking at yeah. like someone that if with this pick, you're hoping that this person can be the third or fourth best player on your championship team. And do you think Jarris Walker could be that?
1: yeah i do um I again it, i don't know if it's gonna happen at 20 <laughs> right and so i think that that's the temper thing there is my i know myself as a rockets fan i'm like let's start winning some games now folks right um but i do think that that's that would not surprise me down the line and i think the guy that embodies that the most when you talk about a stretch four small ball five type guy much longer body and a much better shooter honestly but If this is the best draft since 2003, well, in 2003, the fourth pick was Chris Bosh, right? And I think that, like, again, Again,
0: third-best player on a championship team. Right.
1: He's taller and longer, shoots a little bit better, but Jarris is stronger, and I would argue is probably plays more positions offensively. And so there's some fun comparisons there. But like you mentioned, third-best player on a very good championship team, right? And so um, does that fit with what we're looking at here? Now, Russell Westbrook, I guess, was also a fourth pick and I guess the 2012 Thunder didn't win at all, but they were a a NBA Finals team, and he's probably... Third best
0: player on a Finals team.
1: Right, and and certainly in that postseason. Yeah, no, regardless of where you think about him before or after, but in that postseason, James Harden played very well, and I would probably say that Russell Westbrook was third best player on that team. Um, Depending on how far you want to go back, the interesting thing is, is that, like, when you look at versatility from that spot, you're just getting a great athlete to figure things out. You mentioned Jaron Jackson, um, Scotty Barnes two years ago, right? was a great fourth overall pick, versatile, multi-position defender, probably a little bit better as a creator with the ball. Right. Um, But again, he's just a crazy good athlete. You're just trying to figure out what you're going to do with him. Once you get him, Um, there's also some like cautionary tales of the fourth pick though. I mean, Sean Livingston, I got the list here in front of me because this is interesting now, but Sean Livingston got hurt. So who knows what he would have been, but like, Tyreek Evans probably never lived up to being a number four pick or dragon bender was never like there, the number four pick has room for error for sure. Right. And so I could see how people are skeptical about just going crazy. Good athlete. Um, You know, I I would imagine that we're looking at someone probably closer to Jaron Jackson than Deion waiters, but you know, who knows?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that, that is, um, it's an interesting exercise that we just did. Um, now, here's the one thing about Jairus, and this, and then we'll move on to other stuff as well. Um, but I just feel like Jairus and Tari, how are they going to see the floor together? Like, is there a world? Like, here's the thing. You can have – maybe there's a world where you can have Jairus and Tari on the same court together. But then you can only really play one of Shangoon or Jabari. And so that to me is like, you know, four guys, three spots. And to me, I see Jabari, Tari, and Shangun kind of as that future. And we haven't even mentioned KJ Martin. So it's like, you've got, it's just to me, it's, it kind of goes back to my previous point. I just, I just feel like the fit isn't there. Like, and, and I hate to say that because I think Jairus could be a really good player, and I think he is less of a risk than some of these players. And, you know, maybe that's what the Rockets need. Maybe the Rockets need to, like, take a chill pill on these, like, risky picks that they've taken. Because <laughs> they have taken a couple of risks in the last couple of years. Uh, some have paid off and some have not. Um, and you really don't want to screw this one up because you don't have your pick next year, potentially. Um, so, yeah, I just... It, it's It's an interesting... Like, cause I could see it. Like, like you have. I'm more high on Jairus Walker to the Rockets than I probably have ever been because of this conversation.
1: I'm excited about him, and and honestly,
0: there, But it'd be
1: easy for he's me.
0: Helped, he yeah. Me
1: well, I. It'd be really now, nice for me to have that crossover in my life. Obviously, it's a little selfish, but I. I think he's really, really talented. Um. So anyway, it, it, you're going to ask about other fits or what? What are you looking at?
0: Let's say this. Okay, number one, Vic. Looks like Brandon Miller's going number two now. That really uh, is what I'm, they said. Kevin like O'Connor said, said that. It. Yeah, it, it, it's looking like Miller's leaning two. Although, you know, you really can never tell because last year everyone was saying Jabari was going one, and that didn't happen. Yeah. So let's just say let's just say Miller goes two, just for the sake of it. But I don't want to put too much stock into that. Number three, you trading up for Scoot if you can.
1: Oh, and, and that's more about um about the Rockets, I think, than Jairus. but and a and this is a Rocket show. Right. The Rock if the Rockets have a chance to get Scoot Henderson, they need to get Scoot Henderson. Um and I I say that as a, a obviously we've talked for 25 minutes. As a giant rocket, as a giant Rockets fan and a giant Cougs fan and a big fan of Jairus Walker's, if if the Rockets can go get Scoot Henderson, they need to. I I just don't think I can't believe that Charlotte actually drafts, Brandon Miller at two. And then honestly, I'm sure I'm looking at a forward. Anyway, I'm not making phone calls. To see who wants to trade for number two pick. And I'm because there's a bunch of forwards yeah. that picks three, four, five, six, seven, eight in this draft, a bunch of forwards. Um,
0: I had, so what I did, I did have a, I was on a, I was on the Hornets FFSN show a couple weeks ago, or like a week or two ago. And we were talking about trade possibilities between four and two. Um, And, the guy, I think we agreed to like what a deal would look like is like four and like a future first for two. And,
1: and I think we, that
0: and like maybe maybe a player. I don't know.
1: Well, and that's interesting. So I would throw a player in that in a heartbeat. Um, I think it's interesting because I would assume this year's 20th might be more valuable than a future first, not because right the Rockets are going to be better than the 10th best team in the league in the future. But because it's like, what year are you getting the pick? And the Houston has so few of their picks and the next, like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um
0: So that's what I originally offered, but the guy declined it because they are also in somewhat of a roster crunch this year. They have a lot of like mm-hmm. younger players, similar to the Rockets where, you know, they just have a lot of guys in rookie deals and, like Kai Jones and, and Bryce McGowan's and um, you know, Mark Williams. And they, they've, they've accrued a lot of young assets too. And they like, there's not, a, there's not space for all of them. And you don't want to just give up on some of them. Kind of like the Rockets are doing right now with Garuba and Ty Tai and, and like that crew of people like the, you really don't want to give up on them, but it's really hard to see a long-term solution for most of those guys. Um, but so, I don't see that happening necessarily, but let me ask you this Rockets stay at four, Vic one, Miller two, Scoot three. Rockets take.
1: So it looks like they're going to take a Thompson kid. And I actually am higher. I'm higher on Amen Thompson, I think. Um, I, so for instance, relative, I'd have him over Brandon Miller in my draft, right? Um, and so I totally get it. And I also think that positionally, the Rockets are looking there at a great athlete that could potentially play a position they need. Um, I, you know, at some point you've also taken Shingoon and Jabari and Tari and guys, and it's how many forwards can you add to a roster before you you become the 2002 Toronto Raptors? Um, I, I just I don't know what to make of that. I think the interesting thing to me is if you are going to trade up, if you're Houston you probably trade a forward, right? You probably trade a KJ or something like that if you're going to move up in the draft. Um, and then suddenly you're moving up in the draft to take a guard while creating a void at forward that you open up the spot to have taken the, you know, like the, you know, cut off your hand to fix the other. Um, I, I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm I, high on Scoot. If they can go get Scoot Henderson, obviously go get him. And then I'm higher on Amon Thompson than Brandon Miller. If the choice is, if it's, if it goes, uh, if if Amen goes third, and the choice is between Brandon Miller and Jarris, or Jarris and really most any other college basketball player, I think I'm taking Jarris. The deal is just that I don't know that that's what the choice is going to be for
0: them. That yeah, that's a good way to put it. So Jarris Walker should be the first collegiate player off the board.
1: That that's what I'd have on my board. Okay.
0: That's, um, that's fair. That's
1: fair. I, the deal is just that there are these guys, and I don't know how to I'm still working on, like I said, the overtime elite thing. Um,
0: but you would take Amen over Jarris.
1: I think if I'm Houston, I, I do just because particular to what Houston's got, that makes right. the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that every team should, right? Like, I don't know that I would tell Portland to do that. Um, but I, I for the Rockets, I, I think I would.
0: I do anything, right? <laughs> 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 the NFL draft is so, it, it reminds me a lot of the NFL draft a little bit. Because you look at, it, similar to how the Texans traded up to three, Portland's at three, they're looking to trade. And that kind that's dictating kind of how the rest of the draft is going to go. I think it's um, especially if scoots there at three, like I could see a lot of teams trading up for him. Orlando's got two picks in the top 12. You know, they could look into making a move. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams that could make some noise, but the thing with Portland is like, there is like you said, okay, you want to keep Dame. You want to trade that pick. Okay. Trade the pick. But, you're not going to sell low on this pick, right? No. Like if you're going to get, if you're going to trade the third best player of the draft, a guy like Scoot Henderson who could be your franchise point guard, you need to get something good in return for it. And I don't think that there's a player out there that really makes sense for the Blazers. If we're being honest. So I think they're going to end up keeping that. Like I wouldn't have said that maybe two weeks ago, but the way the market seems to be kind of moving, I think they're going to keep it. And like, because I don't think that they're going to sell low on this pick. I think that, and they have, they've had scoot Henderson in for workout. And if scoot ends up being available at three, it's really hard to turn that down.
1: Yeah. I think the only deal there is like, could you really, the rockets, down? if
0: he was at three, the rockets would take him in a heartbeat.
1: Oh, uh, no question. And frankly, here's what I think is going to happen though. Jeremy is the pick is most valuable when scoot Henderson's available. Right. And so, I feel like Portland's going to sit on it and sit on it and sit on it because they're approaching the pick as if the pick is a Scoot Henderson player, and other teams are going to be cautious to go get it until they know Scoot Henderson's available. And then I don't think you'd see it traded before draft day because of that, or he, he talks about yeah. that because of that. Um, and, then and then you then get Portland, to draft,
0: and then Portland should take the best collegiate player in the draft, Jarris Walker, <laughs> and let the Rockets take Scoot Henderson. I think it sounds like a great idea.
1: Oh well, I I wouldn't be upset about that for anyone involved. Um, I, I will say that Portland being a that team won't happen, by the way. No, but Portland being a team so adamant about winning now and not trying to draft for the future in a way in the way other lottery teams are, Portland being that team with a point guard on the roster, there was a giant wrench in this thing. It's a weird it's a weird deal.
0: It's a weird draft. It's a weird one. And especially and if Charlotte really wants Brandon Miller there's argument like trading with Houston makes the most sense. In my Yeah.
1: Opinion. Well, and again, because I have, I don't have Brandon Miller Miller's a whole lot different than the other forwards available. Trading with Houston guarantees them a forward or that's Brandon or Jairus or you're a central Florida guy or, or uh Taylor or like whomever, right. They can continue to go backwards and get more forwards in this draft. There's a, I mean, yeah. can Whitmore, right. There's a bunch of them.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely a funny draft and uh, the, the next two weeks are going to be a lot of fun. We'll see. Um, but I do want to pick your brain a little bit on Marcus Sasser because he is going to be drafted. I don't know if he's going to be uh, an option for the Rockets at 20. If he's there, where where do you see Marcus Sasser's range in this draft?
1: So I'm seeing him projected as later in the first round and um, more of the 25 to 30 range. Um, I will say that I I could see. So if Houston went with a Ford at four, right, I could see why they would take Sasser at 20 um, because he is a point guard that can fill it up and score. Um, I think he's a long term. And I said this on Twitter the day, and someone's like, well, Fred Van Vliet was an all star one year. I'm like, yeah, but you're, what, what I'm talking about here, I'm saying the comparison in my head is Sasser and Van Vliet is he is an impact six man guard that is not like a big guard. But is good defender. Sasser's a little bit longer in his wingspan, but not quite as heavy. He's like so, uh, you know, the switchability. I think is probably equal, just for different reasons. Um, and Sasser can really shoot the basketball. Shot thirty eight and a half percent from three in college, um, and shot I think it was like forty one the season before before getting hurt after about twelve games um, from three. Like he can really, really shoot the basketball. And I think
0: Marcus Sasser could be on a contender next year off the bench.
1: One and so selfishly, and this is putting my Cougs hat on as opposed to my Rockets hat. I love that it's a late first round projection because of that, because he'll end up on a team he could be a missing piece in
0: Christian Brown of this draft, right?
1: Exactly, he could be a missing piece on uh, Milwaukee or some, or you know, I don't know, Philadelphia's gonna be good next year because they may be blowing it up. Who knows? But that, like those kinds of teams that are close, mm-hmm. a guy that will come in, come off the bench, play impacts defense. And, and shoot the ball really well. And then he was, I mean, he was the creator at Houston and the guy they ran their stuff through when they needed to go iso ball. And so I don't know that he does that at the NBA level because the NBA is a crazy, obviously, level of basketball, and he's 6'2". But he's got that in his game if you put someone 6'2 on him, right? Um, and so I, I'm really high on him. He's just the kind of guy that, like, I think his career is that, like, Fred Van Vliet. Right, like, uh, like I think, I think that's and that's there's nothing wrong with that. The guy's a long term pro. He, like I said, was an all star for one year and he lit up in an NBA Finals, 1 championship. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the deal is is for the Rockets at twenty, you're probably looking for higher swings than that, right? You're probably looking for can I get a guy to make an impact as a starter maybe, Um, or how high a ceiling can I find at twenty, or can I package twenty and four to move up or something, right?
0: Yeah. So, the Rockets take Jarris Walker at four. Marcus Sasser at 20. Are you leading the parade in Houston? <laughs> we are
1: leading the are you, are you, parade. Are you
0: going to campus and marching <laughs> the coyote. Oh well a long the deal, walk, though. It's a, it's a long, long walk, walk across
1: and it's not um, it's not the most walkable walk either. Um what I will <laughs> say
0: know, gotta, <laughs> close down the freeway, everything.
1: Just um, lay out the but, red carpet. But the Texans just got Tank Dell and uh the Astros Corey Jolt, we're recording this Corey Jok just hit a grand slam yesterday. Like it feels like that like that would not be the craziest thing to happen in Houston right now to be pulling in more Cougs across town
0: of the pro teams. That'd be awesome. I was, you know, that grand slam did something to me. It was like <laughs> I know we're a Rockets podcast, but you you brought it up. So like that that changed like my my chemistry in my brain it was like i i, I see cory jolks is like a dude that can be on the rock the astros for like <laughs> six years now and just like, like the he's the new Chaz mccormick like i have been like Chaz mccormick's like biggest stand for like three years now um and Corey Jokes might be taking that like there we might need to have like a a joint fan club now because like, <laughs> well I, what i love is like, it's, it's so fun to watch. Every so,
1: time he gets a hit, my Houston Cougar DMs, my group chats, all, all those things just start lighting up. Every time he gets a hit, Jeremy. Like, <laughs> well, I can't up. imagine
0: what happened when he hit the granny yesterday.
1: Uh, it was wild. Just everyone what? everyone retweeting it, reposting it, whatever. I'm like, guy, we all saw it. <laughs> all
0: right, so Rafael Stone, make sure Parker Ainsworth's DMs blow up. Get Jared, <laughs> get faster. Get them both in and, and let's blow up Parker's phone. Um, but anything else, Parker, you want to talk about any rocket stuff like, you know, feel free to kind of just throw something out there. It doesn't have to necessarily be draft related or anything we talked about. I'm going to give you like I'm going to give you the the mic and you can kind of drive the show as we go into a close.
1: No, and when and I I was on the night the lottery with um with Mike and I think the the thing that we said that night and I, we didn't quite settle there, but. Houston wanted to get Big Vic, right? That was the goal. That was the the goal in tanking this year was to get their one pick, and they didn't get it. But theoretically, if you told me in any three-year span of basketball, you got three picks in the top five, and you hit on two or three picks between 10 and 20, I'd be like, that's six players that ought to be able to play on a good basketball team, right? They got Ime Odoka, who I think is like the best coaching candidate as far as on-the-floor coaching, available this offseason miraculously they pulled in the best coach available in an offseason probably because he had some off-floor stuff too right but whatever um like i i think it's time to win not just because i selfishly have watched a lot of losing the last three years and in my 32 years on earth they haven't done a whole lot of losing um before that i also think it's time to win because at some point it's like though you've got the guys right you've got the guys and it ought to work out that way um if What what what's your take on next season? Is it is it like a a time to go for forty wins, and not that they'll get forty, but is it time to push for that? Or like, am I crazy for thinking like it's kind of time to start? Like it's kind it's got to happen.
0: I've said this: the core is is there. The core is going to get better. Is it going to be next year? Maybe not. You know, but if it's not next year, then it should be the following. Like it's it's going to happen with this group eventually something that i've stood by in our you know in our last couple of months doing doing the show is um you know a new coach and a new point guard is going to give is going to go a long way and they've got the new coach they might get the new point guard through the draft through free agency through wherever and eventually these guys are going to start to get it um and obviously next year you do have some urgency because you don't have a guaranteed top pick if you were to play the way they have been the last couple of years but also there's a there's a line of say there there's a line of like blame like the blame game and silas was the first one and and he was blamed for the troubles over the last couple of years stones next Um, if this, if this draft, if, if the Rockets are in the same spot again next year, 20 some wins, I can't see Rafael Stone being the GM at this point next year. But after that, if it doesn't work after that, then the players are next to blame. So it goes, it goes coach GM players and the players get the most leeway because a, they're the youngest and B, you know, they have more potential, you know, with the coach, you only get so much. In GM, you only get so much. But right now, Rafael Stone's next in the firing line. If this does not go right, Rafael Stone's next. And then yeah. after that, you really have no one else to point the finger at but the players. And the players haven't necessarily given us too much to be concerned about. I mean, I think because we, we see potential there with Jalen. We see potential there with Shangun. We see potential there with Tari, Jabari, KJ. You know, there's a lot of promising pieces on the roster. And eventually you're like, we've got some guys like this could work. And if you bring in the, the right veterans to pair with these guys, it can work. Like, I think, I think the play not out of the question, especially considering where every team in the West kind of had a weird year. Really every team, except Denver has some reevaluating to do this off season. And yeah, if enough teams are um, like on the down or they make the poor decisions that that kind of have them trending down. And if the Rockets make a good decision or two, and the and the development keeps going the right way. I don't think there's a reason why they can't be in the plan, and they can't win 40 games. I, I think I think it'd be hard to see them win 50, because um, th- they were bad <laughs> they were last year. It's not like a, a coaching change and a point guard change is really going to get you 30 wins better. But I think we are like if we had to go like a parabola we have to like go down and up i think we're closer to the upswing at this point than we are the downswing.
1: yeah and you bring up a good point about stone like i like rafael stone a lot i don't mean to say this like he's some like i i, I don't mean this dismissively a
0: lot higher on him than mike is mike hates him but, <laughs> hate him, but i, I do like, think that not- and I,
1: i've heard guys say this about like you know gms across the league and more win now situations but GMs only get to hire one or two coaches and Rafael Stone came in and hired Silas and now he's hired Adoka. GMs don't get to hire a third coach very often. He's not. He's um not.
0: And, his last hire, so he better be a good one.
1: Well, because then it's like, well, the coaching's the problem again. Well, okay. Who keeps hiring his bad coaches, Rafael? Like, like that, that becomes a conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But
0: that's just the way it goes. Yeah. I think this is a fantastic place to park the rocket ship thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode of the kiss of death podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at rockets ffsn go like us on um go like the dream shake on facebook and you can go follow me on twitter at jeremy bernard that's j-e-r-e-m-y-b-r-e-n-e-r but be sure to also follow my co-pilot for this episode parker ainsworth on twitter at
1: Painsworth 512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512, like Parker Ainsworth, Painsworth 512. And also follow the Locked on Cougs. We're on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, We talk Houston Cougars all the time. we got a whole big Twelve season we're jumping into, and it's a fun time to be a Cougar.
0: And be sure to flood his DMs when uh, Corey (laughs) Jolt gets a base hit, when Jairus Walker gets drafted, (laughs) when Marcus Sasser also gets drafted by the Rockets. Um and when he has his when he has his baby coming in a couple of days. Is this your first one?
1: Our first kid. Um and it, again, it looks like it's gonna be this weekend, um, which means I am basically sitting in front of a computer for several days banking a bunch of content to push <laughs> over over that period. Um, but no, we're excited. Um, we've got the apartment set up. Um we're I mean, we are we are counting down and it's just kind of like this nervous counting down energy right now. Right. Like, okay. (laughs) That's
0: your number one draft pick for this.
1: (laughs) Number one draft pick. Number one draft pick this (laughs) summer.
0: All right, Parker, thank you so much. Uh, When the baby uh, craziness calms down a little bit, we'd love to have you back on the show again. I'm sure that won't be too far along. (laughs) Uh, But again, thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode of the kiss of death podcast. And until next time go rockets.